Hello, Rebels of the Revolution. Normally, I start off this podcast by saying hi, but I'm going to start this one off by saying hydration. We know how important hydration is for our bodies. It's the thing that keeps us running, right? You want to be a well-oiled machine. You want to be running efficiently. You know what can help you run efficiently? Liquid IV. It is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product that you are missing in your daily routine. It comes in a little stick that's a powder, and in just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. If you use it first thing in the morning, maybe before a workout, when you feel run down, maybe after a long night out and doing a little partying, you know what I mean? And even what if you have like a long flight or something like that and you just bleh, right? We all feel that way. Bleh. So add this to your water and that convenient packaging can go with you anywhere you go, even if you're going to the gym or you're traveling or you're at work and maybe you didn't have a great breakfast. At least it's something that will fuel you up in the morning. And there's a whole bunch of flavors that are available, like sea berry, strawberry lemonade, concord grape, lemon lime, pina colada, tropical punch, watermelon, strawberry, passion fruit, guava, acai berry. Did I say that right? I never know how to say that. But those are just some of the flavors. Here's some statistics for you folks. One stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and even vitamin C. And we all know how important those B vitamins are. It's got three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients. It's non-GMO and it is free from gluten, dairy, and soy. I'm going to offer you a great deal, Rebels. If you go to liquidiv.com and use offer code SHERPA, you can get 20% off of anything that you order on that site when you're shopping for some better hydration. So that's Liquid IV. Check it out at liquidiv.com. podcast that you're listening to is being presented to you in cooperation with the SJ Network. If you're a person who'd like to appear on a podcast, contact Stephen Joyner at s-j-network.com. Com. Let's get on with the show. Today, it's a special episode of the Sherpa Screening Room. It's a tribute to nurses and healthcare professionals with an interview with Tanya Gilbert, who is an LPN. I'll never forget the best advice that a nurse once gave me to get rid of heartburn after eating my birthday cake. What did she tell you? To take out the candles first. Coming to you from Sherpa Chalet in beautiful downtown Mount Podcastia, it's time for entertainment interviews in the Sherpa screening room. Grab an aisle seat and a bucket of popcorn, but don't crunch too loud or you'll miss the show. Now, he's your host, Jim, the podcast Sherpa. Hello there, Rebels of the Sherpa Revolution. Welcome to the Sherpa Screening Room. It is a presentation of Too Many Podcasts, the podcast about podcasts, and so much more. It's me, Jim the Podcast Sherpa, joining you once again with a very special episode. And this is a really unique episode of the Sherpa Screening Room. Normally, we have folks from the entertainment field and writers and singers and actors and so on and so forth. But this week, it's a special tribute to... Nurses and healthcare professionals, you know, we've just got through a pandemic. You remember that thing, right? The thing that everybody was, well, you, you know, we, we don't have to dwell too much on that. And who were the shining stars in that? I would say our healthcare professionals, they were fantastic, right? And we were thrown into something that no one had ever experienced in the longest period of time. And they helped us get through it. 
And recently, I had the privilege to speak to a lady who is an LPN down in Louisiana. Wait, we can't say Louisiana, but we'll get into that later. Her name is Tanya Gilbert, and we got to talk a lot about nursing. And later on, she tells you about a special project that she's involved that maybe uh, you'd like to find out a little bit more about. So let's have a nice listen to my conversation with LPN Tanya Gilbert. Hello there, Rebels. I am here speaking with Tanya Gilbert. She is a nurse down in Louisiana, right? Do we say, did I say that correctly? Yes, Louisiana. <laughs> because some people say Louisiana, but we can't say that, right? You all, you all say Louisiana. <laughs> it's Louisiana. I'm, yes, I'm from Louisiana. Okay, Louisiana. <laughs> and, and, and she does an incredible New York accent. Maybe not. <laughs> and... Hi. I'm from Brooklyn. You can't tell you <laughs> yeah, from the southern part of Brooklyn, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm from South Brooklyn, baby. <laughs> OK, that didn't, that didn't come out very good. OK. <laughs> OK, so Tanya is a nurse and uh, we wanted to pay tribute to nurses. I know we had uh, Nurse Appreciation Week and she's here. So welcome to the show, Tanya. Thank you very much. Um, I really appreciate being on here and uh, all the people out there who do appreciate us nurses, let me tell you, that means the world to us and it warms our heart. Um, we don't get thanked very often for anything that we do. And we usually see the bad end of people, you know, when they're cranky, they don't feel good, things like that. And we try not to take it to heart. Um, we still do our best and we try to treat you with love, compassion and uh, empathy, you know. And is that part of the mindset that you get with with being a nurse that like you know you're going to see people on their worst day? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And to giving them their worst news or you know, I'm the type of nurse that um I care about everybody that I see and I treat and I try to treat them with respect like I would my own family. Mm -hmm. My parents, especially the elderly. I mean, I treat them like my parents. Um I'm the nurse that you like to see come in the room because I'm going to make you laugh and I'm going to make you forget about your pain for a few minutes at least while I'm in there and you uh they like to see me and their eyes brighten up and that that makes your day that really makes your day so to me it's worth it um I I get joy out of that Now what what initially made you decide to get into nursing Um well how long do we have? <laughs> Actually, um, I am the third of four children, and there's always going to be the one that's the nurturer, the caregiver uh, out of the family. Um, that was me. It all started when I was little. Uh, probably the earliest memory I was five years old, uh, rescuing animals myself out of the yard, you know, off the street and bringing them home to mommy and getting to keep them. And um, I've just always had a nurturing nature and compassionate and can't see to see anyone hurt and want to do my best to make them feel better. So it's actually been there since a young age. I've always had this in me and um, just wanted knew, knew what I was called for. And do you work in a hospital or do you work in a, in a doctor's office? Right now, I work similar to with both. Um, I work for a nephrologist, which is a kidney doctor. Uh, we see a lot of very sick people. Um, if you don't know anything about nephrology, we are the ones that treat you for your kidney functions and we actually put them on dialysis if they need it. Um, um, you wouldn't believe how many people actually have kidney problems because of the uh, number of people with hypertension and diabetes is the number one causes, the, the two number one causes for kidney issues. 
So when someone gets sick, say they just get septic or which is an infection in their body, um, the kidneys are the first thing that's going to take a hit. And mm-hmm. what we do is we we treat them with the proper uh, proper medications um, if they're you know, if they get like what's called metabolic acidosis, and then it just means your body cannot, the kidneys are not getting rid of the acid that our body produces every day. So we give you meds to help with that. Or you have too much sodium in your body. Well, we, we're going to give you some fluids to help that go away. So there's a lot of things that we can do for you in the hospital that's not necessarily going to put you on dialysis and your kidneys can go back and jump back to normal. We have more of that, you know, as well. Um, but we do have to break the news for people that, you know, hey, we're going to have to put you on dialysis. We're going to have to do it to save your life. Um, even people that we may have to only put them on dialysis for their kidneys decided, okay, they took a hard hit. We had a really bad infection. We're going to have to give you dialysis, which is basically, we like to say, a, um, a fake kidney. And we take your blood and we run it through this filter, which is your fake kidney. And it's going to filter it out for you and put it back in. Now, there are people that I try to let them know, you know, your kidneys could bounce back, but this could be a hard hit from the problem that you're having. And those people are lucky and their kidneys do come back to 100%. Um, so dialysis is not a death treatment sentence for anybody by no means. Um, and there's different avenues of dialysis. You know, you can do what we call as a peritoneal dialysis. And that's good for people that are young and still uh, active. You, you, It goes in the stomach and the abdomen area and um, a fluid goes in at night. You connect to it and then it comes out and then you wake up and you go about your day without anything. The other kind is the kind where we take the blood out. So there's, it, you know, there's different ways with that. But anyway, I like to um, I get to go in the hospital and help people and I see people at the clinic. To answer your question, do you get involved with uh, kidney transplants at all? Also, or we multi- do not. Yeah. No, no. We all we can do is get the people on the list. Once you start dialysis, you are a candidate to be placed on the national registry for transplants. Mm-hmm. So, when a person goes into the hospital, and like we said, you know, you know, you're seeing them on their worst day. What's the best thing that they should be doing once they get into the vicinity of the hospital? Is there something that's going to make them easier? Because you can see people getting stressed out. And obviously, it's because of you know pain or discomfort or anything like that, or, or blood or anything like that. Is there certain things that maybe they should keep in mind when, when they have to go? I know, even though it's kind of hard to focus on that. Um, basically, that's where I feel like that's part of my job. It's mm-hmm. not your job to come in and tell, say, oh, my God, I'm in the hospital. My legs almost cut off. I got to be good. No, that's my job. My job is that's where the empathy and the compassion comes in. I'm, I'm understanding that, you know, you're in a situation that you don't ever want to be in, that nobody ever wants to be in. And I'm just going to remain calm. I'm going to talk to you as a person and respect you as a person. And I'm not, you know. I'm not going to let it get under my skin that you're yelling at me and that you're calling me names. And, you know, because we get it. We get it all mm-hmm. um, because I have done more. I, I used to travel nurse, so I actually have um, been in a lot of different situations. I'm, I'm just in nephrology now. Uh, so I've seen a lot of different scenarios and um, I've seen people that were eaten from the inside out with cancer. And the smells are so horrible that your eyes and nose are running and you just wipe it on your scrubs and you keep going and you, they already feel embarrassed because they know. And so I would just talk to them. It didn't bother me. I had a family member tell me you were the best one that dressed her wounds than anybody that's come in here. And that to me says a lot 
for me yeah. because I took my time. I wasn't rushing with them. I talked to them and spoke to them. Uh, we talked about different things to get their mind off of what I was doing for them and for them not to think about it, to be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. They're not there. They're there to be treated. They're there to be, you know, shown emotion and compassion as a human being. And my job that I took an oath for was to treat them that way and give them the best care that I can. I'm not perfect. We have bad days, you know, but I try to go into work like that. If I get upset, I'm going to wait and I'm going to go, I'm going to go out when I'm done with my shift and I'm going to be like, okay, I'll decompress then. You know, the worst parts of my days are, of course, when you have to do, uh, I've had to do um, CPR on people that don't make it and things like that. And that, that, that takes a lot out of you emotionally. And of course, COVID took a lot out of me. Um, I did COVID for two years and I got burnt out really bad. I couldn't take it anymore. Um, it just, it was a bad situation for a lot of people and especially the nurses. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that was one thing that I, maybe the media got right in reporting when they, when they showed the, the hospitals and all the medical staff being just overburdened with everything. And it was just, it was just inundating them. I mean, there was probably no way, no you know direction for you guys to turn where, where just more and more patients were coming in every day. We were, I personally being, uh, being single, it was hard for me, especially because I couldn't, I had to, I worried about myself, of course. Um, then I would have to go home and I had no one to be around. I couldn't be around. My family members couldn't come see me. My, they couldn't check on me. They were concerned about me. Um, you know, in the initial parts of it, of course, it was really scary. But once it got going and we just, you know, you do your job. You don't think about the consequences for yourself. We're, we put our, um, our risk is last right now. It's about taking care of you. And if we didn't make it in the process, then we didn't make it in the process. And I know a lot of other nurses felt that way. Um, we did come out with a lot of nurses that have post-traumatic stress, nurses that have a lot of anxiety and depression now since this has happened, because we didn't have anywhere to go or anybody to talk to. We were alienated from our families, stripping outside in the beginning and spraying ourselves down and hosing down because in the beginning, you know, now we can kind of look at it and go, golly, that was a little bit extreme. But, you know, we've never, no one's ever been through anything like this before in their life. So right. this was all new. We, we, we could have died. Sure. and. Um, but then after, like I said, after going through it, probably I'd say after at least six months, we were just autopilot. Yeah. You just, you you, you jump in there and you do what you got to do. You don't care about what happens. I'm, I'm sure at the early onset of COVID, you know, around like 2019, you know, you had to kind of err on the side of caution because if you took it lightly, if you took it lightly, you know, who knows what could have happened to you? Yes, exactly. And um, I, I don't know any statistics, but I believe, you know, we have lost nurses due to that mm-hmm. um, in the beginning. Yes. Uh, tell me a little about about the uh, the training that you've had. Now, this is probably like what what does a nurse usually have to go through to get to the point where where you're at? Right now, um, there's LP, there's LPN school um, and there's RN school, um, which LPNs. I'm an LPN. I've been an LPN for 13 years. Um, I have going, I was going to go back right away, but then, you know, I was raising a child and it just didn't happen to me. So I'm actually back in school right now about to start clinicals for RN. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have people that the people that I work with, I'm blessed. They say that um, because of the experiences I've had and been across the countries, this country, um, that um, I act more like a nurse practitioner than I do 
an LPN. So they they usually, um, when I go to work somewhere, they think I'm a nurse practitioner, but no, I'm an LPN. LPNs are actually just a little bit under RNs. Um, there's a few things that we're not allowed to do, like push drugs through the IV and we can't start blood. LPNs get a lot of practice on the floor and dealing with patients immediately from the time they start school until they graduate. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, you know, that's either, so either route a person takes, just know that you're needed and your wanted necessity as far as the hospitals go. Um, if you're an LPN out there, more power to you. I know you do it. I know what you do. Um, God bless you and God bless Starians. Don't want to put them down either. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to get make it for me too, you know. But um, yeah, I mean, there's different. We can all we all work as a team. We all jump in and do the same things. However, there are of course. It's like any degree, the higher up you go, the more knowledge you have and the more you're able to do to help people. So what advice would you give to somebody who wanted to get into the nursing field? Um, Personally, I would suggest starting with an LPN program. I believe that the the clinical experiences in the med surge area and everything that you get would prepare you more so for getting into your job. and then work up towards an RN. And if you're, if that's the route you want. Now, if you're, if you want to more or less, you know, that you're going for a certain goal, such as your master's or a nurse practitioner, then yeah, I would suggest going ahead for your BSN and um, doing it that way. If it's mainly for the experience and things like that, I would say that start as an LPN. I mean, this is, this is just my opinion. I mean, you know, I'm just saying I've experienced it and I did, and I've had RNs even tell me um, in ICU and everything when I, because see, I work the whole hospital floors because of the, because of where I'm, what I work right now. Mm -hmm. And I've had, um, I've actually had the, a lot of RNs, not all of them, um, but a lot of RNs told me they wish they would have done the other route because, you know, they had to have somebody when they came into work, show them how to use the IVs and things like this. you know, um, and it was a lot of times an inexperienced LPN that had been on the floor for a while. So, I mean, I, I'm not downgrading anything at all, but I, I'm just trying to say that if that's if that's what you want, please don't get me in trouble here. I'm, not, I'm trying to be an Aryan. Please don't give me a bad name. Don't worry, we won't have women in white outfits knocking on your door shortly, Tanya. Don't worry. You're safe. <laughs> thank you god you're gonna make them hate me already i'm trying to i'm, I'm on everybody's side yeah, well, no you're, you're presenting an interesting perspective because i think i think people take nursing for granted you know i mean take nurses for granted and you know they don't really get everything that you have to learn and go through and and you know that you do have to you have to know how to handle people and uh, all different sorts of people where you can have, you know, I was going to say um, that just came to a good point. There's a lot of things that you guys don't know. Did right. you, the, um, we, we have to, even though we're ordered to give a medication, we have to double check that medication, the dosage, if the patient's allergic to it, even though it's been prescribed, because if we give it, that's our license. Mm-hmm. So we have to double check. We, we have to be, we have to double check what, we're told to do um, to make sure that it is correct. Um, there's also like we have to learn pharmacology. We have to go in. Uh, we have to do a lot of psych um, when we when we do our classes. We have to do like um, there's calculus, pre-calculus. There's um, there's all sorts of things that you guys don't understand. That it's I mean you're talking about learning almost every medication that's out there, and they're changing every single day. 
uh, knowing the side effects, knowing um, the 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 time it's going to stay in the body, the time it's going to eliminate from the body, the time that uh, what if what other drugs could potentially affect this medication negatively or you know in a, in a, in a really bad way that could possibly kill the person. Mm-hmm. It's uh, where to give the injection, what type of injection. Um, there, there, it's it's really there's a lot more than just going in there and giving you your some pills and um, putting a band aid on. I'm gonna tell you, it's it's. It's um, and you're getting called. You you have to be able to be able to do more than one thing. You have to multitask because you have to be in your ears are constantly listening down the hall for somebody. Somebody may have fallen in a room, or somebody may be uh, going into cardiac arrest, or you may walk into a room and you're you have to be totally assessing everybody, uh, the whole situation. Are they looking right when I go in? How is their speech? How are their eyes looking? What's this wound look like that we just put them in here for? Do do you need to go to the bathroom? Can this person get up? Go out the bathroom. Is this the type of person that's um out of that's not in their right state of mind? Are they going to uh, just try to get up and get out of the bed when you're not in here? I mean, and, and it's a med pass. This person needs their medicine. This one's calling you for um. Why aren't you here with my pain medicine yet? But You've got this person down here that's coding. I'm sorry. I've got to go down here and do this before I can come give you pain medicine. And then they're mad at you because you didn't bring them some water to refill their ice bucket. Um, yeah, it's 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 not for the faint of heart. Let's just say that. <laughs> okay. Before I let you go, Tanya, I know we were just talking before the interview that you're getting involved with getting support animals for victims of domestic abuse. Yes. Yes. I want, that's really what I'm passionate about. I was an abused um, person and not very many people know that, but they're going to know it now. Um, I, while I was raising my son. Um, so I've been in a situation where I know what it's like to believe that your life is ending. The world that you have is ending and to escape with basically your child and yourself, no car, no job, nowhere, no home to build that back up, to have to buy everything all over again. It's very difficult. Um, so I'm started, and I got to thinking about the stress that that causes on women that are uh, that do get out. Uh, there's post traumatic stress. There is actually um, anxiety, and there's panic attacks that can be triggered throughout any course of life after this happens to someone. And I've been there, so I thought I, I want to help other women. I want to mm-hmm. show them that you can come back from this when you have to buy a fork when you have to buy um you know towels again underwear for your child everything brand new and you don't even have a job yet it's very very disconcerting so what i've decided to, and i'm also like i said i've been an avid um rescuer and compassionate about animals since i was 5 um so I am starting a nonprofit organization for abused women and placing them with shelter dogs who have been rescued from the shelter by my organization and trained as service slash therapy dogs and placing them with abused women to help them. This this is available right now. My son was in the Navy. He came out on a medical and he has post-traumatic stress, anxiety, panic attacks himself. Um, this is available for vets. Someone actually thought to do this for vets. Okay. My thought is if we can't, these women are worried about the next meal for their children or themselves. They can't afford a five or $10,000 dog. I want to provide that for them. I want to save two lives in one. Women that were left battered, bruised, and broken. Animals that were left battered, bruised, and broken. 
I can put them together and I can save two lives at one time, the euthanasia and the woman from despair and possibly wanting to end her life. And this is very, I'm very, I'm very, this is, this is starting. We're actually um, redoing the process of getting the uh, website updated right now. Um, But it's basically don't lose heart by Tanya. Um, I don't want the women. It's um, women lose the heart because they don't believe that they can ever overcome this. The animals lose heart because they go into the shelter and they know that something's wrong. They sense it and they probably feel like their life is fixing the end. So I came up with the don't lose heart. Um, and like I said, um, it's saving two lives in one. Um, and I just there's nothing out there right now. And I really think this would benefit women. And this is something that I'm highly passionate about. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to see this through. I like that. I, you are a true carer. <laughs> it's like as you said at the beginning of the uh, interview, you know, uh, and uh, I appreciate you coming on here. And we appreciate everything that nurses do and especially the work that you're doing for this field, because it's a trauma that I think a lot of people don't think about and it should be, there should be more attention brought to it. And, you know, if you're a voice that's going to bring that attention, that's more power to you, my friend. I've lived it and I've I've felt every emotion they felt. And I promise you that it gets better. And I'm going to make sure I'm there to be with them, talk to them, get this service going. Um, People can reach me right now. Until we get that page back up and going while it's being revamped, um, they can reach me at my Facebook page, which is Tanya Gilbert. Um, you might have to look it up, Tanya Fry Gilbert. And it's T-O-N-I-A-F-R-Y-E, Tanya Fry Gilbert. Um, and I also have an Instagram. It's Nurse Tay-Tay. One word, T-A-E-T-A-E, Nurse Tay-Tay. Okay. We can throw those in the, in the and, uh, show notes so, those, so people will know. Okay, perfect. <laughs> and I will get back with you when that web page comes back up, when that web page gets up. Yeah, we we can we can provide that to our listeners. That's not a problem. So again, Tanya Gilbert, thank you so much for coming on the show. You know, I really thank you for having someone like me. I'm, I appreciate it. I appreciate you listening. Be a rebel. Follow the show at Share Pollution on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. A very special thanks to our guest this week, Tanya Gilbert. Uh, We appreciate you spending a little time here. And also a very special thanks to all the healthcare professionals out there and for all that you do and all that you will continue to do. It is a very noble profession. You should always be proud of what you've done for people of the world. I know that you don't always get the best of patients, but at least, I mean, when I go in the hospital, I bring my own bedpan. It's monogrammed and everything, so I never lose it. But that's beside the point. So uh, if you want to hear some more of this show... You know what you do. Just tune in every week and subscribe on podcast apps everywhere. Or you can listen to me over at SherpaLution.com. That's where all of the episodes are. And also, if you want to follow me on social media, it's SherpaLution on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And now also on YouTube. So look up Sharp Pollution and you'll see some recordings from previous episodes along with the new ones. We're building up a more streamlined version of the Sharp Pollution experience for you to enjoy and to listen to. So we hope you enjoy that as well. Mr. Bruce, I believe that we've covered enough ground and we are going to be out of here. We hope to see you next time. And before we go, if you can, Uh, leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. And if you do, you can win podcast merchandise, your choice. 
All you just got to do, leave a nice review. Let me know that you've done that by reaching out to me, either on social media or emailing me at jimthepodcastsherpa at gmail.com. And once we get 100 reviews, we want 100. We want to go big, big. We will have it going and uh, we will determine the winner and we'll get in touch with you. And you can end up with a really nice t-shirt or a sweatshirt or, or a onesie or I don't know what you can do with a onesie. Unless hopefully there's a baby involved. But uh, we, I'm not going to ask questions. Okay. But we are out of here, folks. We'll be back next time. And please join us then. Until next time, I say to you, Viva La Sherpa Lucian. Thanks for listening to the Sherpa Screening Room. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast. I'm Mr. Bruce, and this has been a Sherpa Lou Studios production. Viva la Sherpa Lucian. You know, Rebels, if you've been checking out some of my promotional ads on social media, you'll be aware that I have been using a lot of AI programs to help me create ads. But you know what? There's a lot more uses for AI than just funny little videos. And I'd like to introduce one of our new sponsors, Podium. It is a leader in creating AI. AI tools for podcasters. Now, let's say you've got a podcast and maybe you're even thinking of doing a podcast. You're probably wondering, well, how can AI be integrated with your workflow? I'll tell you about Podium. As a podcaster, you know that writing show notes and creating chapters and transcribing episodes takes a lot of time and it can cost you a lot of money too. But you know what? That's where Podium comes in. It's an AI tool designed specifically for creators and podcasters with the goal of making post-production tasks quick and easy. And in just a few minutes, Podium generates show notes, chapters, summaries, clips for social media, a full transcript, suggested episode titles, social media posts, and more. Whew, that's a lot of work for one little program. Your show notes are key to your podcast's success because it helps new listeners find your podcast and they'll know if it's a fit for them. You know, kind of like too many podcasts. It also improves your SEO. That's your search engine optimization. Ooh, big phrase there. And overall accessibility. And with Podium, you can focus on creating a great podcast and let Podium's AI do the heavy lifting. But Podium isn't just for solo creators and podcasters. It's a game changer for editors, producers, marketers, agencies, and production studios. Teams that use Podiums are able to increase workloads, decrease turnaround times, and improve their quality. How does it work? Very easy. First, go to Podium's website, and you'll see that link that's right there in the show notes. You get three hours free just to try it. Pretty cool, huh? And using that link also supports this show as well. And you know what else happens? Because I'm a good guy. You use my link, you will get 50% off for your first month. So visit the site, upload an MP3 file, and download your files, and that's it. And if you need anything else, you can use Podium GPT to generate articles and any marketing copy you might need in seconds, instant show notes, transcripts, chapters for your podcast or channel. This will level up that podcast. So check out Podium today.